0: And welcome to season two of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman. And if you haven't already, go check out my new website. You can view the latest episode, fan favorites, and even submit a question to future guests. You can visit the website at Let's Talk Wrestling You can also find the link in the show notes. So the song you just heard is the Halloween theme by John Carpenter, and it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Justin Decker. Justin was a two-time state champ for West Central Maynard. He started his college career as an Iowa Hawkeye. However, during his redshirt sophomore year, he stepped away from the program and wrestling altogether, but he couldn't stay away. And after 12 years of not competing, Justin found himself back on the mat wearing an upper Iowa singlet. He spent one year as a peacock wrestler and, at the ripe old age of 33, qualified for the Division II National Tournament. Oh, and he also has a family farm that milks about 700 cows. This is another person who we are very lucky to have in our sport. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Justin Decker. Your farm. I mean, it's it's pretty the real deal, I guess. What Top Deck Farms, I went and liked it on Facebook, but man, it's... Your farm's pretty big time.
1: Yeah, well, we we milk about 700 cows and farm, farm close to a couple thousand acres, and the cow end of it, the dairy part of it's what keeps us busy. It's just you know, it's every day. It's Christmas, New Year's, Saturdays, Sundays, and we got a good workforce though, so we've got, we've got a lot of good help and employees that. Get us through
0: everything, but yeah, it's it keeps us going. That's for sure. <laughs> how, do you, how do you milk that many cows? That was <laughs> the first time you said seven hundred. I was like, holy cow!
1: Yeah, well, we have a double, double 12 parlor, so they come in and they milk twenty four cows at a time. Basically, about a hundred cows an hour, and then by the time you wash the system up, you got about forty minutes to wash it up. You, you might have fifteen minute break, and then you're you're bringing a uh, the next milking in, uh, so we're milking them three times a day. They get milked 24 hours a day. So it's, we have six milkers full time. And then, you know, a lot of, you know, a like guy who feeds our cows and my mm-hmm. nephew brothers, and it's just a big family affair, but we've mm-hmm. kind of slowly grown since, you know, basically, my whole life we've just kind of made small steps, and I think we went from 350 cows in like 2001 to to 700. We doubled. We're we're staying there. We're not getting any bigger.
0: Man, there's like no room for air. It seems like I mean, or there's a small room for air. You know, when you're what with what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I yeah. I mean, if something like the other day something was going on with the parlor, and you know, I slowed the whole. You know, we were only being able to milk cows on one side. So we had, we got a little bit behind schedule, but then you just got to eventually make up that lost time because the cows need milk. They don't right. get milk. You know, so it's, yeah, it's, it's quite a, quite an operation that, uh, it's been great for us. We, you know, we get along great and, and uh, we couldn't get it, have it, have it done without all of our people that are, you know actually doing a lot of the grunt work for us so yeah
0: so how long have you had the farm so i'm wondering you know back way back in the day when you grew up wrestling did yeah you up wrestling you?
1: i've been on a dairy farm my whole life you know we when i was a kid we milked 55 cows okay. uh, into like 110 and, and when i was a sophomore in high school my my grandpa started it years ago with my dad and then my dad passed away about 13 years ago, so it's my two, two of my three brothers and I. We've just kind of slowly grown a little bit over the years, and you know we've been doing, we've been milking cows our whole life. So it's and what we, it's what we do. So it's outside of Westgate, Iowa, and mm-hmm. uh, about 10 miles from where I live. So I live in Fairbank on the edge of Fairbank. So nice little short little commute for me every day and my yeah. two brothers live right there by our dairy farm and uh yeah my nephews
0: involved and so wow. well how did you get away from from the chores like you know when did you start wrestling you know because we're being on a dairy farm you know like you just said it never stops man it's always it's always going and so how did you be able to step away from chores to do sports in general
1: luckily you know my brothers they were quite a bit older than me. I have a you know, brother, Derek, is six years older than me. And then Jason who's seven years older than my oldest brother, Tracy, is 10 years older than me. So when I was going through that young, you know, sports days of youth wrestling and stuff in my elementary days, they were in high school and, and they probably, they weren't doing as much. They wrestled, but, uh, you know, my mom traveled a lot with me. She kind of, I don't know, you know, we, we started traveling through the the Wahawk wrestling club down in, in water at Waterloo West. And she took me all over the place and my dad and my brother stayed home. And, and luckily, I don't know if you called me the spoiled one or the, the one that was really fortunate, but I got to do a lot more. I had, I had a lot more opportunities to do, to do things probably than my older brothers. And they, you know, they stayed home. They did a lot of the work. I did my chores and this and that, but uh, I didn't get into the, a lot of the stuff until I was probably, you know, you know, high school or, and then once I left college and stuff, so.
0: Yeah. Have have you always been involved in wrestling your family in general? Yeah. Uh,
1: my, I mean, my dad wrestled back in the day for West central and then my three brothers wrestled for West central. Uh, they all did pretty well. All had pretty, you know, some good, good little accolades in high school and stuff. And then, uh, my one brother, Jason, well, wrestled at Simpson College on some good teams in the late '80s, early '90s. He he is coached by Bob Dara and Steve Wilbur and uh, some really uh, David Rave. I don't know. If he's think he's out went out to Northern Colorado for a while, but some good coaches. At- Coaches there at the Division three level, I think they were the last team to win a Division three you know, Iowa Conference Championship before, like, Wartburg went on that huge, yeah. you know, five or 30 years or whatever they got in a row there. I think Simpson was actually the last team that, that was, you know, the top team in the Iowa Conference. My oldest brother, Tracy, coached wrestling at, at Sumner for a lot of years. They had some good teams. And I was just always the young kid watching them, you know, watching them compete at State watching them coach and wrestling college and just fell in love with it at a young age. I could probably, you know, I know the pin doctors got their site, but they, you know, they do a lot of uh, stuff from back in the eighties and nineties. And I'm kind of a wrestling encyclopedia, you could say, as far really? as like stats from the eighties and nineties and all the old Iowa wrestlers. And you know, I just that was what I lived for for you know, when I was a kid in high school, that was always my dream. Always, you know, I wanted to be a Hawkeye and I wanted to, you know, I had some big aspirations of what I wanted to do and accomplish some and I didn't didn't accomplish a lot. And uh, But, yeah, I've, I'm still in love with the sport. You know, I still follow it. I can still tell you every weight class at the state tournament last year. You know, I mean, it's just kind of what I – the thing I know, I guess.
0: But – now what I guess what was it about wrestling? Did you do other sports too?
1: Yeah, I, I did all four sports, track and baseball and football and you know, did you know I did pretty good careers and, and everything I did, but I don't know. I think it was just the one-on-one aspect of the sport, you know. I think I think any young kid watching his older brothers do something, I think you you, know, you just kind of fall in love with it it was something I was fairly natural at as a young you know I was pretty good early on and and had a lot of success early on and I think just that success I tasted early just kind of made me hungry I've always been a you know extreme competitor in, in whatever I do and I think you know I just kind of had what it took I think to be you know a good wrestler and uh I just kind of Took off from there, I guess you could say. I don't
0: know, but yeah. Well, you you also, like you said, you didn't achieve some of your goals, and I'm sure one of them may have been be a four time state champ. I mean, um, you ran into Jesse Whitmer, you know. Uh, yeah. Not like your yeah. freshman to take a lump like that and to be like, well, Wh- sorry. What was it like, you know, to to you know, not even place as a freshman? You know, I'm sure you had high yeah. aspirations.
1: Yeah. I think I actually was looking through some old stuff one day back. I went to an Iowa wrestling camp when I was in junior high. And I think, I believe it was Tom brands was actually my, our, our, uh, group, you know, he was, in, he was wrestling in college at that time and he was actually our group, uh, instructor or whatever. <laughs> and he had to write down your goals. And I, I remember that it was a four time state champion I had wrote down and it was probably a fairly lofty goal, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I went to state as a freshman, and actually ran into Jesse Whitmer, who everybody knows was ended up being a national champion for the Hawkeyes. He's the only guy who ever pinned me. Uh, uh, he pinned me that year. And the, you know, I remember. I remember him coming out, and I'll never forget. He he came out and he slapped himself up about a hundred times on his arms, and it was just an. He was just an intimidating. You know, he was a state champion and about four foot eleven, just jacked and uh he came out and he clubbed me. And I literally there was something I was seeing on the mat, like literally like saw stars. It was like the one time I saw something like that wasn't wasn't right. He kind of knocked me dizzy for a minute. He clubbed me so hard. And I remember he got me down, barred me up and it was, you know, should I have probably placed that year at the state tournament? Probably. I was probably good enough to be on the stand, but I definitely wasn't his caliber you know, by any means. So mm. not one that, of, yeah. He was a freshman. So
0: yeah. Was that one of the first times where you realized like, all right, there's levels to this, you know? And- I, actually that morning,
1: I remember I was eating breakfast with my high school wrestling coach at the state tournament. And that was back when everybody read the Des Moines newspaper mm-hmm. and there was a little article there that I saw him reading. And I saw the caption of Whitmer on there something. And I said, "What do you got there?" I was just, and he's like, he didn't want to show me it, but he's—it was something along the lines of that he had 30 straight pins or 31 consecutive pins, and he was going for his 32nd consecutive pin. And sure enough, I was—I was that guy. So, (laughs) Uh, anyways, yeah, Jesse, and I got to know him in college, and you know, nicest guy you'll ever meet, like just off the mat that guy is you know class very class act guy and i know he's he's involved now with i think the big game wrestling club and doing really well so
0: yeah and then you know moving forward then your sophomore year same thing happens not same exact thing but you don't come away with a medal again was that even disappointing
1: yeah that year i really felt i was probably good enough to win state and you know if you re-wrestle that bracket you know, the next day or next week, there probably would have been six different outcomes. If you wrestle that tournament, there was a lot of guys, very comparable. I think I went in ranked second. Uh, I believe I had beat the guy ranked third in districts from Denver, Jason Meyer, but I was in the quarterfinals, wrestling a guy, Corey Starry from Cedar Rapids, LaSalle and He was unranked, unheard of. I was ahead of the, I was ahead three to zero with about 25, 30 seconds to go. Got called for stalling, got taken down with a couple seconds to go. Uh, tried some stupid roll right at the end and I ended up losing five to three. I completely blew that match. Uh, and that was probably the toughest loss I had ever had. He beat me in the quarters. He ended up winning it. And then, uh, yeah, I couldn't really even regroup on the backside. I lost to another guy from Solon who, you know, uh in overtime. So it was just one of those days I wasn't mentally I wasn't mentally ready, you know, and that happens that happens all the time as everybody, every wrestler and wrestling coach sees, you know, I was wasn't quite mentally there yet. So
0: Yeah. So how did you become mentally ready? Because obviously, you know, the next two years you you want I, to stay there. Yeah, what I,
1: I think a lot of it had to do with uh, you know, maturity for one, but just uh cutting weight, I think had something to do with it. You know, I cut a lot of weight my freshman and sophomore year, uh just about twenty pounds, which I was already pretty lean and and cutting that much weight and not probably doing it the right way mm-hmm. was probably by the end of the year, by come February, all I was kind of thinking about is, hey, what can I have to eat at the end of the season? And every, almost every wrestler can tell you that that's very normal. Yeah. No. My junior year, I didn't, hadn't grown a whole lot more. And I'm like, you know, heck with this. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stay big, stay strong, stay lifting. You know, I went 152. And, you know, the next two years I went undefeated and uh, just – you know, had had a couple of close matches at state as a junior, but but I was kind of turned a corner that year, I guess you could say.
0: So, yeah, yeah you wrestled one hundred and nineteen, and then you made the big jump to one hundred and forty.
1: Years off for me. Yep. yep. Uh or three four weight classes, yeah, and it was it was a good weight, you know, jump. That was a lot of good weight I had put on that year, and and. uh, yeah, I do. I mean, the older I get, I tell my own son this now, and he I don't think he's quite on board yet. The older I get, the more anti-cutting weight I am. I just, you know, I just think if you got it to lose is one thing, but if you're already lean and look good at the weight you're at walking around in and, and August, September, October, you know, maybe cut a shed a little bit of that off where, you know, a weight where you're really feeling good, but you know, this 15, 20, 20, you know, pound weight cuts, these kids are doing anymore. I don't, when you're worried about, when you're worried about what you're eating every day and, and you're worried more about that than than actually getting better in practice, you know, it's hard to, it's really hard to, to progress, I think. And, uh, you know, it's different for everybody, obviously, and some kids can do it and some kids can manage it, manage it. But, uh, I think that was probably a big thing for me. And even, even when I got to college, you know, I, it was probably a cut too much weight at times. So
0: why did you cut too much weight? I mean, obviously the easy answer is just a lot of, you know, that's just kind of what you did, but
1: yeah. And, uh, you know, like, like you said, back then, there was – you could weigh in in the mornings. You know, at 7 in the morning, you didn't have a meet until 7, and you had a 12 hours to recover. So it was – you know, ex- extreme weight cutting was more prevalent back then. Once they implemented the one-hour rule, it kind of – it was a good change for the sport. But uh, why did I? I don't know. I just always thought – the bigger you were, you know, was against the smaller guys, you're going to be stronger than them. But and all in all, it's kind of, it's almost reverse that because the, the more you're cutting, the more you're cutting more of your muscle off and, and you felt almost weaker at the end of the year. But in college, I had to a couple of times. You know, we had, we had Joe Williams ahead had uh, the weight class above me in one year. And I, you know, I had to cut down that year. Otherwise, I'm not going to get a spot. So, and when I wrestled at Upper Iowa, uh, kind of the same deal. I probably you know, Travis Sagers, guy you obviously know from from your hometown. Yeah, you know he was at, you know he was going to want to go up to sixty five. He ended up being a national champion that year. So, yeah, I saw a good fit in there too. And that's that's a whole another story when I wrestled it up
0: for Iowa. But uh, oh, we'll get to that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, anyway, sometimes I maybe thought I, I maybe had to to. to to perform the best and, and, and be where they needed me. So, yeah.
0: Well, one of the, you said you had some close matches at state still. One of them, you were a senior. It was zero zero going into the third. You were returning state champ. That was my junior year. That was your junior year. Zero zero. Yep. That uh, my, so my junior year, I went into
1: state tournament undefeated and uh, this is another thing I'll never forget uh, that's back when the old Des Moines Register you know had the paper and the, the pairings came out on Monday morning and the big thing was back then Monday morning everybody get to, gets the Des Moines Register and they read where, what the bracket looks like and I yeah. remember we used to come in running in the mornings every morning too much running now, now looking back it just like it was a kind of a crazy way that we trained but we, we would come in as a wrestling team and we would run every morning and uh my high school wrestling coach, Larry Munger, was looking at the pairings, and I, I kind of, I guess, so, I said, "So who do I have?" And I could tell he was a little bit, you know, I could just tell that it, the bracket was was kind of stacked. I could just, uh, there was four undefeated guys in that bracket that year, and three of them were on my side. So uh, I had a an unbeaten guy in the quarters, the semis, and finals that year, and. Uh-huh. Uh, got through, you know, a kid from West Marshall, I pinned him and then uh that put me in the in the semis against the defending state champion BJ Miller. Uh and that was a match he was actually it was 2 to 2. He took me down with about 50 seconds to go. Turned me. I was down 6 to 2 with like 50 seconds to go and I stood up kind of turned into him and I hit, you know, I call it the Rico roll. Some people call it fire and I, it's a junk move, but I had hit that so many thousand times in practice and that it, to me, it was kind of one of my go, that's kind of what I did. I had a little bit of funk to me and uh, I caught him, put him on his back and turned him again, ended up beating him 10 to six. And then in the finals, yeah, I had Todd Foster from Riceville and those two guys were tough. Uh, B.J. Miller and Foster, both, they ended up going to like that uh, state finalist, state champion tournament at the end of the year out east where all the state champions and finalists used to go to. And I remember they both placed at that tournament out of a huge bracket of uh, guys across the nation. And so, I mean, that was they were some competitors that at that time maybe weren't super well-known, but – you know, BJ Miller wrestled in college, but uh, I mean, they ended up—they were tough. So Todd Foster from Riceville in the finals, yeah, it was zero-zero. He rode the living crap out of me the whole second period. He chose down, and I hit another move. I called it the false cradle, where you lock up and you go underneath the guy. Some people call it the Oklahoma, or I don't know. They got all. <laughs> and, right total kids wrestling youth move that every you know, no nowadays million ways to stop it or whatever, but I was good with it. And I turned him twice and beat him six to zero. So, yeah, it was not, not a way most state champions win their, win their weight class, but
0: yeah. Works for me, I guess. Wow. What a, what a last couple matches there. I mean, was there ever a time where you were like, Oh, I'm in trouble here. You know, yeah. that semis were like, Oh geez, did you start to feel a little pressure? Like I gotta, I gotta do something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do. I remember those matches almost like it was yesterday. It was like, it was so much, so much. I, you know, my goal as a kid was to be in a state champion. And I felt like my freshman year, my sophomore year, just like kept running into these roadblocks. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that when I won those matches, so much pressure had been lifted off my shoulders, but Honestly, I remember the, I remember the actual moments of those matches still to this day, and I'm 46 years old, and that's, you know, we're looking at 28 years ago. I still remember and Like, I didn't really have the feeling of this isn't gonna happen. You know, I just, I, I remember the feeling. Holy cow, I'm down six to two. You know, how am I gonna, how am I gonna win? Where maybe the year before, the two years before, I would have probably maybe stuck my tail between my legs and been like, I can't, I can't get it done. But I do remember, like, I still felt that I was going to find a way to get it done. But so, call it it some maturity, I guess, where I don't know what it was, but just, I was, I was ready to win a title, I guess, at that point. But so.
0: Yeah. Uh, So then when you climb the top, you know, the, old age story goes that the climb is always you know but but staying there man is tougher and how were you able to accomplish that your senior year when everyone's gunning for you now
1: yeah i mean it's yeah there was a lot more pressure my senior year uh just i had a good season though that year uh, i'd say one match all year i felt actually you know probably maybe even the finals match but there was maybe two matches my whole senior year where You know, I thought guys were, I wasn't head and shoulders above, I guess. Uh, But so I was, you know, I felt a lot of pressure in those matches. But like Will Steinkamp, East Buchanan kid, uh, his dad was Dave Steinkamp, legendary coach. You know, that was one match I kind of all year had been, had in the back of my mind. I knew that he was going to be the guy I had to beat. Uh, He, I, I don't know if he was, maybe had one loss going into the tournament, but it was a fairly close match with him, like six to two, I believe. But, uh, and then the guy in the finals from Mount air, Jacobs Knight. Um, I think that was three to zero, but you know, yeah, you got to stay on top. You know, I, have I put a lot of time in the off season though back in those days, lifting. I lifted a lot. I wrestled a lot of freestyle. I was, I traveled, you know, I did a lot of, a lot of, spring tournaments and stuff. And, and I, I did all my training down at the Wahawk wrestling club, which back before all these big club clubs are now you got SeaBolt and the mortal and, and big game and all these DC league clubs back then it was the Wahawk club. And that was the big club in Northeast Iowa. And man, there were so many good kids from Waterloo West and that's back when Cedar Falls had their state championship team. Uh, Osage kids came down. You know, kids traveled over an hour to come to that club. There was lots of high school state champions, uh, national champions in college. You know, Daryl Weber, I think Tally Thompson, and Russell theirs. Just a couple names off the top of my head, but uh, just that's Marty Dickey was my club coach, and to this day. He's one of the best coaches I've ever had. Uh, just preached discipline. And there was no one ever out of line in that room and just pounded fundamentals in those kids all the time. And you know, he was he's a guy that most people have never heard of. He's always kind of just flown under the radar. He wrestled with Gable, but if you ask anybody my age, in our area that went to that club, they will hold Marty Dickey in a very high high regard. So Wow,
0: well, when when did you start you know maybe letting go of the other sports or did you? Did you compete in the other sports throughout high school?
1: Yeah, I did I did everything. Uh, really you don't see a lot of it anymore. I, I did baseball. I played a ton of baseball, ton of baseball growing up. Um, you know 50, 60 games every summer. I, I wrestled and did baseball all through the spring and summer and uh, I played on a big club team. And I did football four years, played, played all five years of high school baseball. And I went out for track my senior year just because I thought I could maybe <laughs> do something. my senior. Year. Yeah. Looking back, looking back. Would I have gave up a couple of those? I, I would maybe have given up the sport of baseball just because it was kind of, it was conflicted with wrestling, but I love playing baseball. I still they love watching baseball and I love that my kids play ball. So I don't know. I don't think I have any regrets. I, I made so many friendships through all of that. I mean, I don't think I could ever look back and say that that wasn't the right way, you know, but nowadays as kids are, kids are just focusing on wrestling or, or volleyball, or, you know, they're, it's just so much different now. Yeah. Fo- focusing on one or two sports. And I think a lot of club coaches push that for, for us. I'm at Wapsie Valley. If every, if every kid only went out for their favorite sport, we would struggle at everything. You know, I mean, I know, yeah. I see wrestlers on our high school wrestling team that, their favorite sports baseball or their favorite, you know, they, they don't, they really love baseball, but if they only went out for baseball, man, that would kill our, kill our team. You know, I mean, it's just, I think you can maybe get away with that in those three, a four, a schools, you know, just specializing, but it's all, you know, do I, you know, I understand though, too, those kids that are focusing on just on wrestling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You can tell, I mean, a lot of the guys in Fargo right now, that's their only sport. Yeah. And you can tell. I mean, they're they're elite status wrestlers in this in our state right now. And it's great to see how well our state's done the last couple of years. I feel like it's really coming back. I feel like it was down for like a decade or two, but I feel like it's really coming back.
0: Yeah. So. You were you were around that time when it was a big, you know, when Iowa was almost probably at the top you know what was it like back then wrestling and seeing all those names and and being a part of that being one of those names where people are like whoa there's Justin Wecker let's watch him
1: yeah it was you know like I said earlier I followed all the the guys before me I Mm -hmm. I, I, the Bannock brothers and Randy Lewis and and uh, the Brands brothers the Steiner brothers Uh, I grew up Tommy Ryan, and you know he was one of my favorites. He's now the coach at Ohio State. I watched all those guys. I wanted to be one of them. And then, you know, I got, I was recruited by by Coach Gable, and that was you know a dream come true to stepping in that room. But you look at the teams I was on; they're to this day, you know, remembered as the best college wrestling teams ever. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I come in that room. There was Lincoln McElravy, Bill Zadek, Daryl Weber, Joe Williams, Je- Jeff McGinnis, Mark Ironside, Doug Schwab, uh, Eric Jurgens, Lee Fullhart, Wes Hand. I mean, those guys are. That's a that's a that's a lineup of guys. I mean, that is, and I'm missing a bunch. Mm-hmm. I'm probably ten guys that I was in the same room with. And our coaching staff was Brands and Brands and Roy Selger and, and Zaleski and Gable. I mean, it just it just kind of takes your breath away, even just listing those guys that uh, how, you know, the, you know the, the amount of national championships. And yeah, like you said, when I went in there, the crazy thing, the year I started at Iowa, eight of the 10 starters were from the state of Iowa. The only two guys that were not was Joe Williams and Casey Gillis. The, the other 10 guys were all in-state in guys. We had Juergens, Jer- Jer- Schwab, McGinnis. Uh, actually, McGinnis was red-shirting that year. That's that's how good that team was. We had Jer- Jergens, Schwab, Ironside. McGinnis was red Casey Gillis was in there. We had I was at 58, and then you had Joe Williams, uh, Lee Weber from Don Bosco, Lee Fullhart, West Hand. Uh, that was the year after um, they set the point record. The year before was the point record of 170 points. Yeah, at the Uni Dome.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, you know, I would have loved to have been a starter on that team. I was just a freshman. I lost a tryout that year to Mike Euchre at 167. Uh, you know that team was Mike Menna and, and Whitmer and Ironside McGinnis, uh, McElravy, Williams, Fullhart, Euchre, Hand. So, uh, yeah, so that was the point record team, and then the, the next year was the year I started. So there was a lot of big names on those lineups, and yeah, and whenever they have a best ever team list those, those teams always get brought up, you know? Mm-hmm. So it kinda, it's kind of, it's kind of cool to say I was in the same room as those guys and, yeah. and on those guys. And I still, you know, made a lot of friends with those guys. So.
0: Yeah. What was it like going in there, you know, looking up to those guys and now you're competing in the same room as them. Was it, you know, how did you balance the two? Because I, at first you can obviously be like, whoa. These guys are my idols, and now it's like, well, now I'm expected to compete and beat some of these guys yeah not very well. how did I balance not very well uh, yeah I it was like starting
1: over completely you know i I remember the first couple of days of practice and I did fairly well and I scored some points on some on some fairly high up guys in the room and I don't know if it upset them or what. Like literally, I felt like the next two months I didn't hardly score a point. I would go a week. I would go a week at a time sometimes with literally not scoring an offensive point against some of those some guys in the room. I mean, it was literally like starting over. And by about the time you got to Christmas, your your true freshman year, you you slowly start to kind of close the gap a little bit. Like, but those first two or three months of of college wrestling coming from a small you know iowa high school stepping into the best division one program ever it's like it was literally it was hell i mean it was hell at times i mean it was like they would beat you so bad like you'd want to go you'd want to go back to your dorm room and cry mm-hmm. i mean it was torture literally at times i remember i remember wrestling Mac at times and it was like he was literally trying to trying to break you in half. I mean, it was the amount of, you You could maybe hand fight with them for a minute. And then it was like, your arms were jello. I mean, those guys would brutally beat you up. And it was, but, but like I said, by about Christmas time, you know, you could just kind of feel like, okay, you can, you know, start going with some of these guys. And then obviously over time, you know, it's, you just turn into, slowly turn into,
0: you know, being good. You know, so. Yeah, uh, what was it like to to finally break through? Was that your your sophomore year, or was that your redshirt freshman year?
1: Oh yeah, my I redshirted my freshman year, and then my next year I tried out against Mike Euchre. That was the that was the point team. Uh, I lost a close tryout to him. Actually, never got another tryout again. The rest of the year, Uh he was the guy. He he was. You know, he was just – he was a junior or senior at the time, and uh, actually a senior. And he was just – he had been an, an All-American the year before. He was he was the, definitely the guy. But I did have a, you know, a close tryout with him in the tryout. But then the following year – so, yeah, my third year would have been my registered sophomore year. Uh, I – had there was literally seven or eight guys, I believe, in that in that weight class, because everybody was dodging Joe Williams. Joe Williams decides he's going to go to sixty seven, and Casey Gillis was at uh, one fifty, and a lot of he was tough back then. A lot of guys couldn't beat him, so the lighter guys went up to fifty eight, thinking that was a spot. The heavier guys cut a lot of weight, so I cut a lot of weight uh, that year, and it was like myself, and Ben Euchre trying out, Gabe McMahon. Uh, he was from Alaska. There was a Ben Smith. who would have been Jessman Smith's older brother. I think Mitch Payton, okay. was, Payton from West Delaware was a redshirt in that weight class. Uh, uh, Jeff Stewart out of Apple Valley, Minnesota, was at that weight class, and a couple others. But I won the tryout process, got to be the guy, beat Euchre in the finals, and uh, so Ended up being the guy I got to go start the year that year and, and uh yeah that I mean I never finished that year though. So I just uh I started out hot. I had a good first, you know, 10, 12 matches and uh you know that was that was kind of the it of my Iowa days. Was that ninety nine? That was that was the fall of ninety seven.
0: Okay, because um, they moved weights not too terribly long after that. they that season, that
1: season. Uh, okay. that, that season, they changed everything. So there had been there had been three deaths that year in college wrestling. Uh, I believe one was from Syracuse college guy. I'd have to check. I believe one was from Wisconsin lacrosse. And I think one was from somewhere in Michigan, but they tried linking it to excessive weight cutting, whether that's what happened. I don't know. Uh, But the guy at Syracuse that died was actually coach Grimm from upper Iowa was out at Syracuse at that time. Uh, But anyways, yeah. So like literally we went to the Midlands that year we wrestled in the Midlands and you know how everybody's weight gets up at the Midlands, it gets high. Uh, that's normally what? The December 27th. We had a, we had a dual meet with Penn state on January 2nd. So that was kind of a big transition where, yeah. where they, they gave us like a, a huge weight allowance for the Midlands. And, and then, so everyone's weight got higher yet. Yeah, well, then the next week they had us making scratch for Penn state And a lot of the guys weights, you know, we were sucking back down again. They didn't know what they were going to do with the new rule. It wasn't until I believe the next season when they implemented the one hour rule. But if you are following me here, they gave us a huge weight allowance for, for the Midlands because that's right when all those guys were had died, which was just a, you know, I remember being on 2020 and, and Dateline back then it was a big deal. It was, it was very talked about, but, uh, we had that big weight allowance and then we go into Penn State and Penn State came in and beat us and I remember it being literally the worst match of my entire lifetime like was embarrassed in Carver Hawkeye I wasn't ready I had cut too much weight last minute I I had dropped like eight and a half pounds in an hour leading into the weigh-ins it was in like a lot of insane amount of last minute weight loss i remember my body was like cramping up after i after when i was eating breakfast that morning but penn state beat us iowa had been like i don't remember it was something crazy like 101 in carver hawkeye arena or something hadn't lost for years and penn state came in and beat us but uh yeah then at the end of the year you know and Iowa ended up being national champions but uh That was kind of the last, that was the last match I ever wrestled as a Hawkeye. So Penn State in January 98. So I just, and I'm sure you're going to ask, you're going to get into that. But I just, I I hadn't, I wasn't doing a good job managing school, weight cutting, wrestling, social life. I just, I was kind of just mentally burnt out and I ended up leaving leaving Iowa that year and my backup uh, Gabe McMahon ended up taking second in the big tens that year. So that was a huge regret for a lot of years for me, you know, what I could have done, you know, what I didn't do just the fact of having a goal your whole life that you shoot for. And then kind of, kind of just like, growing it in the garbage can you know what I mean I mean it was just it was I just didn't have my priorities straight for whatever reason I just wasn't much mature enough it took me a lot of years to kind of figure out who I was and and uh yeah I just I regretted it for a long time and so yeah then I come back home on the farm for 12 years until now but uh (laughs) doing a lot of wrestling, coaching and wrestling
0: since then. So, Yeah. Well, shoot, you know, on some level I can, I can understand that. I mean, I'm, I've told this story many times, you know, and they probably get sick of me telling, but I'm 31 and I'm in college for a reason, you know, don't have my bachelor's for a reason, you know, and it's because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I mean, we expect so much of these 18, 19, 20 year olds in an environment where it can be so intense and to have everything and be able to balance everything and, yeah, And, you know, I was there where I was just not mature enough either, mature enough, and I just had yeah. priorities in the wrong places. And here I am, 31, still searching for my degree because I was doing other things, being involved in other extracurriculars that I shouldn't have been in. Yeah. I, I like it's fine. Yeah. I, you know, that season, it was a lot when I
1: went to Iowa, I I was doing a lot of partying. I mean, I did a lot of, a lot of drinking that a lot of late night and a lot of activities. I, you know, just shouldn't have been, you know, out late and and partying as much as I did when I was a division one athlete. It was just ridiculous. The guys I was running with, they were doing, they were doing the same. Uh, yeah, I was a, I was a 3.9 student in high school. I got to college and kind of quit, uh, Did I lose you? Nope. You're good. Um, my wife's calling me. So can you see me? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, uh, got to, you know, I was three high school student. I got to college and, you know, I felt like all of a sudden skipping class was a good idea for whatever reason. Yeah. It was like, what was I doing down there? And, And I kind of got to the point when I did finally get to be a starter that I was – that's all I cared about. All I cared about was wrestling, you know, my weight, gotten too much weight. And it was just a lot of things all together at once that mentally I was like – I was done at that
0: time. How'd you you get over that if you have at all? You know, I (laughs) – I don't want to focus too much on all that stuff because I feel like we, you know, we've been there, we've done that a lot of people, have, but now it's more turn the attention to how you just sort of got over it and, and dealt with it because that can be almost the bigger challenge.
1: Yeah, I did. I probably didn't get over it for a long time. I didn't really tell, I acted like I was fine, but honestly, underneath I really wasn't, you know, I just like, I was disappointed in myself for a lot of years and it probably wasn't until I started you know getting involved in coaching where I find kind of I could see that I was making a huge difference in kids' lives and and making a lot of building a lot of relationships there that maybe helped me more than anything like i knew I knew that I was still had a lot to to give to the sport and making differences in others i think was helping me through it trying to lead other people from doing the same thing i was doing you know i think was how i got over things and you know i i left iowa and it wasn't 6 months later and i'm coaching again i've I coached in two different high schools and then got involved in in a college program and then involved in our youth program so i've i've been bouncing around a lot in the sport and different different levels all different levels you know from from little preschoolers to 20 year old college kids i've coached them all i've been at every kind of been on some really coached some really great teams and some really below average teams and kind of a lot in the middle so it's i've seen about everything and about every different type of you know kid and at this point and i just I think that's helped me get through it. And now, now that I got my own kids, you know, I think that's, that's where my mind is at now. That's where my focus is now. So, yeah.
0: so did you take that? Like when you were done at Iowa, did you want nothing to do with the sport? Were you just like, I'm done with this. I don't know if I'll ever come back to it. Like I just need to get away Yeah, from, I, from wrestling.
1: I, I was, you know, I was still getting recruited. You know, I, I obviously people heard that I left Iowa and I would, you know, a starter at Iowa is going to look pretty, pretty good in a lot of other guys lineups. So I was getting a lot of calls from other schools and, and actually I went at Jim Miller and, and, and upper Iowa, uh, Sam Barber was the coach at the time who is not. Coach for Air Force, but I remember Sam Barber coming out. I was milking cows in the middle of the night for a while, and Sam Barber coming out to our dairy farm and putting milkers on our cows to try to get me to come to wrestle for Upper Iowa. And <laughs> I remember he was putting them on sideways, like he wasn't putting them on right under the cow's udder. He was—he had them twisted, and I—he come in his big old work boots. I mean, they, guys were guys were wanting me to wrestle. I went on a recruiting visit to to Wartburg and honestly i I slightly regretted that for a while they had some great teams, some national championship teams. I think I could have looking back, I could have probably done a lot of great things over there and then filled in on a, a really great lineup but uh never i just I just wasn't ready to wrestle yet ended up taking over my old high school program for a couple of years, coached at West Central Maynard as the head coach uh that they had had one wrestler out the year before, Jake Munger. And uh, they got 13 kids back out. Had a lot of fun with that, really. Uh, Ended up going to North Fayette and coaching at North Fayette for five years. And those are some of the the best times of my life, really. I met so many great people up at North Fayette and, and a lot of great friendships to this day. Coached a lot of good teams up there. And then Heath Grimm, I, I kind of got out of it again for about I think one year. And then Heath Grimm, I ran into him. I think I ran into him at a bar actually, and <laughs> he's had a good time with him. I had never met him before, and uh, he's like, "You should, you know, you should come up here to Upper Iowa." I kind of like. I thought he was joking because I I just didn't ever saw myself as a college coach. I didn't I didn't feel I was. At that level. I just didn't. But the more I thought about it, you know, yeah, I had a lot to offer to those kids. And uh, sure enough, I next thing, that was my next stop in Fayette. And I started coaching in that upper Iowa. And uh, just met a lot of great people up there and got to kind of get tutored under one of Division II's finest wrestling coaches in Heath Grimm. And just have a real special friendship with him to this day. So...
0: Yeah, I just talked to him the other day, and you will. It, it one of the hardest things to do is probably to get him to uh, accept some credit or, or acknowledge what he's done, because he is one that will always give credit somewhere else. Yep. You know, it's hard for him to take credit.
1: Yeah, he's a humble guy, and he's done. Oh he's done. He's done things with a lot of. Northeast Iowa boys up there, and it's they've been a fun team to watch with how many local kids they've had, and he does a really great job with with communicating with his athletes, and I don't know, he's really just kind of taken a lot of those boys under his wing. You know, he's pulled kids out of you know down he's down in Florida, I and mean, there's been kids come up there, and they look at him as like their second dad. Yeah, and, uh, great job. I learned a lot from him from Coach Ryan Phillips, who was a national champion at the time and kind of a I started off thinking I was going to be a part-time coach and ended up I was up there every day rolling around with those guys every single day I was I uh got you know wrestling with Mitch Norton and and uh Mitchell Schultz and Mark yeah. Mueller and Travis Sagers and you know that had some good teams
0: so yeah well the story about Ryan Phillips, I always remember is when he won his national title, he will always say he will clay lay claim that he was the first one to do the belt. You know, uh, that Rogers always does that. You know, Ryan Phillips would always be like, I did it first, you know, watch that match. I did it after he won a national title.
1: Well, <laughs> Philly, Philly is probably a little bit less humble than than <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no, he's a he's a good dude. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah what made you decide, you know? uh grim sort of talked about it but i want to hear from your perspective what uh you know made you think that that was the right place you know you talked earlier about you were getting recruited back in like the early 2000s or 99 that you weren't quite ready what made you feel like you were ready then to wrestle or to, to coach to wrestle yeah so yeah that's the story you know I, I coached
1: for two years at upper iowa i went there and coached first as a coach and then uh Grim had kind of put a bug in my ear a couple of times. Like, you know, you got some eligibility left. And I kind of just scoffed it off. But uh, I will never forget, I was, I had come to the farm one morning super early to do some chores. I was mixing feed. And uh, I was just doing a lot of thinking. I feel like sometimes my best thinking is in the middle of the night or early in the morning. (laughs) and I come back to that regret thing. And I was at the, I was at the point where I was wrestling every day with those guys in the room, beating the living crap out of my body. Yet I was 33 years old and I'm like, God dang, you know, I I'm still good enough to, to compete and roll these guys. And I still had that, like, what if feeling, what, what if I could do this? I, I honestly, I felt like I could be a national champion. I came back to wrestle to be a national champion and that's why I went to uh, finish, you know, went and started wrestling my third year at upper Iowa because I wanted to be a national champ and it didn't happen, you know, under different circumstances, would it, or could it have happened? Yeah, I do think it could have, but it didn't. But that season was one of the best things I ever did. I feel like, I got everything off my shoulders like, OK, I, I gave it a shot. Granted, it wasn't in my prime, but I went for it. And, you know, the way I would, had been competing in the in the practice room, I, I truly felt like I had a lot to offer that team. We were going to be one of the best Division II programs in the country that year. I thought we had a good chance of getting a team trophy, which we did. We took third place in Division II as a team that year. Which was their first you know team trophy in d two, and uh we won the conference that year. I think that's the last year Saint Cloud has not won didn't win that conference, but we did a lot of great things and with a lot of great people and I had so much fun doing it. it was fun, but you know there was there was some roadblocks that year too though i mean my dad my dad had cancer he you know was cancer that year, so that whole rest basically from the start of wrestling season until the end was, you know, his last four months of his life. He died the day. He died the day I left for the regional tournament. So that, you know, was weighing on me a little bit. I'm not, I'm not definitely not making that an excuse. You know, I was hard, but that was weighing on me. I had, you know, that around Christmas time, I had ruptured a disc in my neck. So the little, Literally, the last two months of the year were very painful for me. And uh, you know, had I been one hundred percent healthy, woulda, coulda, shoulda, who knows? But uh, I, you know, I, I, I had a lot of fun that year. A lot of fun.
0: So, what did you? I mean, you could have easily at that point when that happened, you know, you herniate your disc in uh, your neck. Like at that point, what do you have to prove to anybody? You know, you yeah. could like, you know what? Yeah, that that's I need to think about the rest of my life. You know,
1: yeah, that was something that probably went through my head for a little bit. But I was like, I went to this, this you know, down to the Manchester clinic and they were giving me uh, what do you call cortisone shots and trying yeah. to just get through the pain for that year. But I took a few I probably took two or three weeks off of practicing there very lightly, just a lot of drilling. And I thought I could manage it but like literally every time I would shoot or hit my force, any type of brunt force on my head, they would just shoot this intense stinger down my whole neck and arms. And my fingertips were going numb. And about a week after the season that year, I did get, I got a, my neck fused. So I did a neck fusion and, and and they fixed that up. And I felt, I feel like a million bucks ever since, but yeah, I didn't have much to prove, but God dang, I had done so much training that last the nine months going in. I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna but now's the time. You know, I made the that year. Uh, actually both guys I lost to that year ended up being national champions. Um, so but yeah, it was I was right there with the best of them. I mean, I I lost a lot of like one, you know, the matches I lost were one two point matches. But uh I still I still had a little bit of fire in the tank, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, like you said, that was one of the first years they were D2 because they were transitioning from D3 to D2. And I think Grim kind of mentioned that it was sort of part of your goal also to, you know what, we're going to D2. Let's be, let's set the tone right away that we're here.
1: I think 08, roughly around 07 or 08 was when they did the transition. I wrestled in 2010. So, yeah, it might have been the second or third year mm-hmm. where we were Division Two. And I know Coach Grimm's won two or three team trophies since. Division Two wrestling has gotten tough. Yeah. It's gotten uh, I Luckily, I got to commentate it. I do some commentating now. Yes. So I have to commentate the national finals down there with, with mm-hmm. Matt McGill. And I, that's kind of now one of my little side jobs that I just love though. I still still part of it in a different aspect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask how you got into that because I saw you now. You know, obviously I watched Chase Lunsman. You yeah. know, local local kid went to the same high school as me uh, for a couple of years. Um, yeah, national champ, and you got to interview him. That had to be.
1: I so I started doing Upper Iowa. So after I left wrestling at Upper Iowa. I coached there for two more years. I was, I was actually at Upper Iowa for five years. I coached twice, wrestled my, when I was 33, coached two more years. And then they asked me to be their commentator for their home meets for nice. 9.2 to KCRG or whatever. And Kyle Klingman and I took that on and he was the director of the Dan Gable museum at the time and got to be good friends with him. And Klingman's awesome. I just loved doing meets with him. Uh, just so much wrestling knowledge and so passionate about the sport. And he got me, I, I've been doing their meets ever since. And I think Klingman maybe hooked me up with this state tournament gig. So now I do the state championship matches on 1A. So I got them right there on the mat side for one class of 1A at the down at the Iowa State Championships, which is literally probably one of my most exciting things I do in a year. My mm-hmm. life isn't, but I love that job. Like I love being there doing that. And I, I get to do it with Matt McDonough, former NCAA champ for the Hawks. And then they asked us to do the division two championships in Cedar Rapids this year, which was uh, quite an honor and just awesome to be there for that. And I mean, like, like, like I said, the level of wrestling is just skyrocket right now and chase lundsman winning it was uh it was icing on the cake for me personally got to interview him coming off that was that's pretty cool like i know him a little bit personally good good dude so
0: but yeah. i thought you did really well you know you ask some questions sometimes when you get those on the bigger networks like espn or whatever after a match or or sporting event that kind of ask those softball always simple questions you know that you always ask but it was it was refreshing to see you there and at like you've been there you know what it's like and so you were able to ask maybe some more pointed questions that you know the regular analyst wouldn't ask so it was kind of fun
1: yeah thank you so yeah <laughs> that's something I I hope they keep asking me back it's through flow wrestling you know I, I hope that they ask let me do next year's state championships again like it's it's really I'm starting to get to the with my kid coming up, my son, I, I know a lot of these kids that are in the finals. So it's kind of neat to know a lot of the – I'm actually broadcasting kids that I know and and parents, their parents that are friends with me. So it's like they're out. That's pretty awesome to be able to do that.
0: So, yeah. Now you kind of – yeah, you
1: know these people. Yeah. It's going to be, there's going to be more kids coming the next few years that are going to be in those one, eight finals that I'm going to know a lot of them. So I, I, I do hope I get to continue to do that.
0: So. Yeah. And so what are you up to now? You know, you're coaching at WAPC. How'd you get that? How'd you get involved in there from upper Iowa? Like, I guess I should ask what transitioned you out of coaching at upper Iowa and, and elsewhere.
1: It was my son. My son was starting to get involved in wrestling and, I was on upper Iowa road trips while my wife was taking my son to kids tournaments. And it just didn't sit right with me. You know, he was just starting to get into the sport and he struggled when he was, you know, when he was a little guy, he got, he got his beat on pretty good starting out and me not being there was kind of like, Hey, I need, that's time for me to be a parent. And, and, and just, and I came back to Wapsie, I I watched for a little while on the side and then some guys are like, hey, man, you got to get in here and, and help. And I kind of just – I didn't just come in. I kind of just took it over. Like I kind of – and I kind of took over the whole youth program. And I brought – I tried to bring in as many good wrestling guys as I knew from Wapsie. I brought the Destivals in and Rhino Cox and and Chad Vandale was helping at the time and the Kaufman brothers and Tory Martin and Ben Hogan and all these guys that had – a good wrestling background. We had, I think we went from like three or four youth coaches within a few years, we had 17 youth coaches, Holy 17, cow. 17 guys helping with our youth program. And mm-hmm. we went like 50 kids to like a hundred in about a three year span. And we wrestling and at the Wapsie Valley, the kids for a while, it just like took off. Like if you weren't wrestling, you weren't you know, you weren't a part of, you know, like part of something. It was like, it it was kind of a little steam engine that kind of just took off and uh, had a lot of good years there. I do not coach at WAPC anymore. This will be my second or third year now I've actually been out of it. So I don't, I just, once my son got in high school, I'm just been a fan the last few years. I still do the commentating every once in a while somebody will ask me to run a seating meeting at a tournament or something. But as far as, as far as wrestling, I'm a fan and I I tell you what, it's a lot less stressful. It's, it's fun. I love it. I'm probably the loudest guy in the stands at times. Uh, I follow the Wapsie boys I've coached right now. A lot of the, so last year's senior class, this year's seniors and juniors and, and sophomores. I've coached a lot of those kids. So these are kind of, kids I'm I'm really close with their families and uh seeing them succeed and and you know we had a good team last year seeing this year's team we're going to it's fun it's fun watching that so
0: yeah uh I'm happy you found that joy back cuz it seems like you could have and and you know I'm sure at some point a lot of us could have found a different path or went down that path of I hate the sport I'm never coming back to it
1: yeah you know I I don't think I ever went through that as far as hating the sport. I yeah. went through I went through a probably a downward path as yeah. far as just not making great choices as you know as far as I did like I said, I didn't really get my priorities straight until probably my mid thirties, late early 30s. It took me a long <laughs> took me a long time to figure things out. And that's probably the downward path I took. A lot of that probably had to do with you know, just bitterness and, you know, maybe disgust or disappointment in myself at times. And I, I didn't, I didn't figure it out for a lot of years. And it's, it's refreshing knowing that I'd have now. I mean, it's like, I, it's just, I'm in a good place. I've been in a good place for a while and it's, it, that wasn't, it wasn't, there you know have I ever hated the sport of wrestling absolutely not my my passion for wrestling has always been there I'm going to be one of those 70 80 year old guys you see in the NCAA tournament stands and high school state wrestling tournament stands still watching the sport Mm -hmm. and into a bunch of old dudes that I know from the sport because that's kind of what this sport's all about we all it's a huge fraternity as you know Mm -hmm. you know when you sent me this message I knew exactly who you were because of your uncle and your dad and I (laughs) I know the Bachman's from MFL and I know, I mean, everybody know. I, you know, it's just a huge fraternity and i I'm always going to love this sport. I mean, it's, it's in, it's embedded deep inside of me.
0: So, yeah, I love it. You know, and I'm, I'm happy you're at, you're at where you're where you're at because uh, you have done a lot for the sport. You were somebody people looked up to and, and uh, you know, have turned the page to another chapter where people still look up to you at this point you know now you're changing lives in a different way and that's refreshing yeah. to see and yeah.
1: yeah it's 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 been good Life's life's good to me i mean i i'm not my my kids bring me a lot of a lot of joy and i'm, I'm a proud dad of what they're doing and and uh so yeah i'm just it's good everything's
0: good <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what uh what's next for you i guess as my last question i guess you know what uh What's the future hold? Yeah, I'm just gonna keep farming with
1: my brothers until we until we decide that uh, you know I got a lot of years of that left. Uh, right now, I'm like every other youth parent in Iowa and across the United States. I am going in 18 different directions with <laughs> club softball, club volleyball, uh, high school wrestling. And having a night here on this on this dinner table is with all of us is very seldom. At times, it's a lot, but I love it. I I have some of the best co- uh, talks in the car with my kids. So honestly, what's the future hold? It's probably just continuing to do what I'm doing as far as uh, you know being a being a dad, and I you know I do a little coaching with softball on the side and. And as for the sport of wrestling, you know, probably just helping out wherever I can. If anybody asks me to do something in the sport, I'm probably going to seriously consider it. But right now, I'm a family man chasing after them and and uh, trying to help them become successful in what they're doing.
0: Thanks again for listening to this episode of the let's talk wrestling podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Justin Decker for taking the time to sit down and chat with me, I cover created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate comment and subscribe to this podcast. You can check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and my brand new Facebook page to hear more of my content. And don't forget to check out my website at let's talk wrestling podcast. my site. And as always be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the let's talk wrestling podcast. Take care. See you next time.